the game is over. The New York Jets are the world champions. You play to win the game. He's got it. That's a Jet touchdown. Can't wait. You're listening to the official Jets podcast, a Jets 360 production. Jets Nation, what's going on? Ethan Greenberg and Eric Allen here on the official Jets podcast game preview, Jets-Dolphins Week 7. This Sunday, we have a great show for you in store today. Joining us today, we got James Walker, ESPN NFL Nation writer for the Miami Dolphins. And, of course, we got Chad Pennington, as always. But, EA, let's dive in. Jets-Dolphins, the rematch from Week 3. The Jets won in wire-to-wire fashion, 20-6. to The Dolphins scored on the final play from regulation. So close to a shutout. So you know that the Dolphins are going to be coming in hot this weekend. Throw it all out the window, what we saw in week three, uh, because that was the Jets team still trying to find themselves. Uh, Obviously, they lost a week before in convincing fashion to the Oakland Raiders, but to a man everybody talked about how they were accountable for themselves at halftime. So what happened was the Jets came home, and they started a three-game win streak. Unfortunately for the green and white, that streak snapped against the Patriots in a tough, hard-fought game, 24-17 loss last week at MetLife Stadium. Jets did a lot of good things in that game. The players were asked countless times about a controversial review in that game. Austin Safarian Jenkins was ruled a touchdown on the field. We all know what happened. We talked about it ad nauseum. Uh, Overturn. You know, it's supposed to be indisputable evidence. The league says it was indisputable. Todd Bull said, we're not going to cry about it this week because otherwise we'll end up losing to the Dolphins because we're looking behind us. Conversely, this is a Miami team who may have just found themselves down 17 to nothing on the road in Atlanta, a team who represented the NFC in the Super Bowl, and they come back and win, so they'll be feeling good, and you're right. They won't like the way they played, and that will show on tape because the Jets dominated them in Week 3. All right, EA, it's time to bring in James Walker. You can follow him on Twitter at JamesWalkerNFL. James, thanks so much for coming on the official Jets podcast game preview. And you can follow him at on Facebook. Facebook at the same handle. <laughs> That's right. The same handle. So make sure to get James on both platforms there. I appreciate that. So much has changed since the last time that the Dolphins and Jets played it. It feels like almost a, a season ago, even though it was just a few <laughs> weeks ago. That is a great point. So just jumping off right there is from your perspective, what's changed in South Florida for this Dolphins team since week three? Well, a, a lot has changed. Uh, for one, um, it looks like they finally got their offense jump-started, and that was something that was a season-long issue for them. They were last in the league uh, in yards per game. They were last in the league in scoring. Uh, entering last week's win over the Atlanta Falcons, but something clicked at, at, at halftime for, for the Dolphins in that Falcons game where their tempo was good. Uh, all of a sudden, they were able to move the ball better. They got Jay Ajayi going. I'm sure that's going to be a topic uh, we'll probably discuss a little later because the Jets shut him down a few weeks ago. Uh, but when they have a balanced offense with the with the skill players that they have, they could really be dangerous. It was just up until that point, we just hadn't seen it. Uh, but they scored 20 unanswered points at Atlanta, uh, you know, a team that went to the Super Bowl last year. Not very easy to do, uh, but it looked like the Dolphins finally put it together. So they're going into this week uh, with a lot more confidence now um, after really struggling over the past uh, two or three games uh, leading up to that point. Yeah, James, do you think that club now under Adam Gase – 
has its mojo back because, like you mentioned, we saw him at MetLife Stadium way back in week three, and the Jets dominated that game from wire to wire. And what was even more surprising to me, James, was what followed, where the Dolphins go across the pond and they play a New Orleans Saints team that is known for its prolific offensive attack, but the Dolphins were shut out there. So you mentioned the offensive struggles. What actually happened offensively last week, and is this something that you really think that this team can build upon? Yeah, you, you mentioned those two games. They were basically shut out in both games because they scored on a, a pretty much a garbage touchdown late to Devontae Parker against the Jets on, on uh, the last play of the game. Uh, to, to get that final touchdown. So really, uh, in my eyes anyway, it was back-to-back shutouts uh, against the Jets and the Saints in that game. But in terms of what's changed, look, it, it, it's no secret with the Dolphins, when they have Jay Ajayi going at running back, that's really the difference in, in their offense. This, the offensive line they have, it's a run-blocking offensive line primarily. They're a bunch of plowers. They're average pass blockers, sometimes a little bit below average pass blockers. But when they have the running game going, they can play action, they can feed off of all those things. And in the past two seasons, the Dolphins are 6-0 and uh, when Jay Ajayi goes over 100 yards. And there's been a couple 200-yard games in that span as well, um, including this season uh, where they're 2-0 and this season when Jay Ajayi goes over 100 yards. So it, it's really no secret what their formula is. I think the Dolphins were experimenting a little bit too much. They, they got in Julius Thomas. Uh, they play primarily three wide receivers with Landry, Kenny Stills, uh, and Devontae Parker. Um, Jay Cutler came in. So I think they were experimenting a little too much in the first month of the season, maybe trying to pass more than they should. Um, you know, they felt with Jay Cutler they can open up the deep ball a little more, stretch the field, and, and do those kind of things. Uh, but this team is a run-first team. I mean, that's what really got them to the dance last year uh, when they won 10 games. They gave the ball to Jay Ajayi and let him control the clock. That helped the defense as well. And I think they finally got back to that um, last week with Ajayi going for 130 yards. Uh, against the Falcons. That really helped them uh, dictate the tempo. And even when they fell behind against the Falcons last week, they stuck to the running game. That's something that they haven't done um, you know, earlier this year. So I think more than anything, that's been the huge difference that when Jay Ajayi gets going, and look, the opponent knows that as well. So it's just a matter of, okay, uh, you know, if they stack the box, what are they going to do? Um, but, yeah, I mean, if Jay Ajayi gets going, I think that gives them a much better chance to win, not only against the Jets, but really pretty much every game this season. Yeah. Recently you wrote about that a heavy dose of Jay Ajayi is good for the Dolphins, and last week he had over 25 carries, if I'm not mistaken. But do you think that this team could uh, – obviously last week the team came from behind, and you said that uh, they stuck with Ajayi on the ground, but let's say – Hypothetically, if the team falls behind again, let's say this week, do you think that Jay Cutler has the necessary weapons to try to get back in a game through the air? I think he has the weapons. I'm not sure he's the same quarterback um, that's able to, to do that. And, and that's really been, uh, regardless of whether it was Cutler under center or, or Ryan Tannehill at center, this hasn't really been a good come-from-behind team, uh, you know, uh, especially you know, the last two seasons with Adam Gase. They're the, time, they're the kind of team that is really good in the fourth quarter. They win close games. They, they've set a team record. Uh, they've won 11 straight games uh, in games decided by seven points or less. Which is amazing. That tells me, yeah, I mean, that, not a lot of teams can do that. So that tells me that they're very mentally tough and they can win close games, but most of their wins are close. They either get blown out or uh, they keep games close and win. So that's really been their formula for success. They're not the kind of team that, 
usually if they fall behind by two touchdowns and things like that, they throw their way back into it. Uh, and I thought last week was an interesting example because when they fell behind 17 nothing to Atlanta, they came out and ran the ball. It was like, okay, let's take it one drive at a time. They got an early touchdown, and all of a sudden it's 17-7. It's and they, even though they were playing from behind, they didn't necessarily play like they were down by double digits. They played like they were only down three or seven. And before you know it, they scored on four straight drives, either a touchdown or a field goal. And all of a sudden you got 20 unanswered points. So I think that's more so uh, their successful formula. I mean, they know it as a coaching staff and as a team uh, that anytime you know, if Jay Cutler's going to go out and throw 44 times like he did in week three against the Jets, uh, that's probably not a formula for success. They're better off giving Jay Ajayi the ball 25 times keeping the opposing offense off the field while controlling the clock. James Walker is joining us on official Jets podcast preview. Jets, Dolphins, Hard Rock Stadium, South Florida, Sunday. We've been talking a lot about the offense, but we got to talk about this defense. I grew yeah. up, I, James, I grew, up, well. I grew up watching Dan Marino, and all over the years, when I grew up in Orchard Park, New York, it was all about that Dolphins passing game. And now you look at this defense, and it has not given up more than 20 points per game this season. Last year, they struggled against the run. Now they're giving up about 80 yards per game on the ground, fourth in the yeah. NFL. Also amongst the league leaders in terms of points allowed, around 17 points per game. How legit is this unit? And also... Tell me something other than Ndamukong Sue and Cameron Wake are getting it done because we know that. Who are the other guys who have really stepped up here in 2017? Well, you got to look at their linebacker play, and this was an area that was atrocious last year. Um, the defensive line was up and down, but they had some good games, but it just seems like every game the linebackers were missing tackles. They couldn't cover slot receivers. They couldn't cover tight ends. The addition of Lawrence Timmons and uh, – um, uh, Ray Maluga have, have made a big difference. It's a veteran unit. They know how to play. They know how to play physical. They both come from the AFC North division uh, where it's a physical brand of football. And they've really added that to the Dolphins' defense. Uh, as you mentioned, the run defense has been a uh, top five um, you know, in the league. Points allowed, uh, they've been, I think, top seven or eight for, for most of the league. They don't give up a lot of points. And against the Falcons, when the Falcons punched them in the mouth early last week with those two early touchdowns, they pretty much held them to three points in the final three quarters, and that allowed the Dolphins' offense to get back in the game. So uh, I saw signs of this way back uh, as early as week one or week two, that even when the offense was going three and out, they were punting, they were losing time of possession, they, kept, they couldn't really stay on the field, they were terrible on third down. The defense kept playing at a very good level, very good energy level. They were still playing hard and they weren't giving up a ton of points even at that point. So you just knew that if the offense can just help a little bit, if they can just get a couple touchdowns, stay on the field a little longer, convert on third down a little better, the defense could really, uh, you know, really do some damage. And I, I think you saw that um, last week. So, uh, yeah, so the defense has been playing well all year. It's just been a matter of can the offense help them out at least a little bit, you know, give them a little bit of a breather, uh, give them a little bit of a lead um, as opposed to the team playing from behind all season. And you saw that a little bit of that last week. So both sides – you know, have been complimentary of each other. They've, they've talked well of each other. I, I asked some defensive players, how do you keep that energy level up, you know, when the offense is struggling as much as they did? They said, look, you know, they know the weapons they have on offense that eventually they'll have to turn it around. They can't play poorly for this long. So it looks like they may have finally turned the corner um, in that game. We'll see what happens this week, uh, you know, against, against a solid Jets team, um, you know, in that respect. But it looks like they're finally playing some complimentary football, um, you know, on both sides of the ball. The other guy always pops out to me when I'm watching film is 47, Kiko Alonso. 
yep. instinctive linebacker, a lot of speed, covers a lot of ground, and he's in, a lot, in on a lot of tackles. He's just always around the ball, it feels like. James, what do you think about the rematch here between these two clubs as far as do you think this is a pride game for the Dolphins, or they're not even thinking that way? They're thinking that they're a different ball club at this point. No, I think it absolutely is a pride game. And talking to the players in the locker room after that, uh, after that week three loss to the Jets, the feeling I got uh, was that they felt that they were a better team, they, that they, they didn't lose to a better team. They felt that they just played poorly. So I think there is a level of pride. Now, if you get swept by the Jets, uh, this season, there's no denying. You can't say that you're a better team. Obviously, the Jets swept them in two games this year, then they're, they're the better team this year. But the feeling I got from the players in the locker room was that, you know, they were upset that they just didn't show up in the game. They didn't play with energy. They didn't execute. and But they didn't feel like they got beat by a better team. So I think there's definitely some pride there. Uh, there's obviously the longstanding rivalry. It's a division game, which is big because they haven't won a division game this year, um, you know, up until this point. Uh, so they know that, that, you know, based on what happened uh in week three, you know, I, I think they're going to show up, you know, ready to play. They know that they can't just, uh, you know, just show up on the field at home and, and just, uh, you know, against anybody and just play well. So, yeah, I, I think there's definitely a pride element involved. You know, I'm going to talk to the players probably in the next couple hours or so here to kind of see what they think about this rematch. But I, I'm, I'm basing my answer based on, uh, you know, a few weeks ago when I spoke to them in the locker room after the Jets lost that, you know, I think they're going to be fired up for this game, and I think they're going to be alert. I, I don't think they're going to sleep on a team, uh, you know, a rivalry team that, that they got uh, pretty much spanked uh, by, by two yeah. touchdowns in the previous meeting. And, and, and finally for me is that uh... – Green's mentioned this before, James, that Ajayi, 11 carries, 16 yards. You mentioned his struggles on the ground yep. against the Jets. Do you think at home, game number two, the way he ran the ball last week, what they're finding out about themselves identity-wise on offense, would you go to the bank and say, hey, listen, I'll put my mortgage down on this guy's going to get more than 11 <laughs> carries this week? <laughs> I'm, I'm not putting my mortgage down on anything. But, um, the, the game plan is, I, I think the game plan is going to be pretty clear. They're, they're going to try, you know, to, to run the ball. And now, whether or not they can do it, he only had 1.5 yards per carry uh, against the Jets in the previous meeting. If, if that clip stays the same, then obviously they can't give him the ball 15, uh, 20 times. But I, I think the Dolphins expect to have uh, more success than that, at least, um, you know, with, with Jay Ajayi. So, look, both teams know it. You know, the Jets are going to gear up against the run, uh, just like they did in the previous meeting, and the Dolphins are going to try to run. So I, I think it's going to be one of those things where it's just going to be one of those ugly, you know, grind-them-out games to see, you know, who can, you know, who blinks first. Uh, the Dolphins are going to try to run it as much as they can. I, I think Ajayi's probably going to get 15 to 20 carries in this game. And, and the Jets are going to gear up against the run and see if the Dolphins can beat them through the air. So, so it'll be an interesting matchup from that standpoint. It'll be a, a physical matchup, but I think, uh, you know, whoever wins that particular matchup is, is is going to be a long way. It's going to go a long way to to see who determines the the winner in this game. Well, that's ESPN's NFL Nation reporter James Walker. You can follow him on Twitter at and James Walker NFL and on Facebook. That is it. Yeah, James Walker. NFL Greens, I'm looking forward to going down to South Florida myself because it's getting a little bit cool up here. About 85 <laughs> to forecast on Sunday. I'll look for you in the press box, James. As always, we appreciate it. All right, guys. Always fun, and, and I'll talk to you soon. See you on Sunday. All right, Greens. So what I take out of that is we know James Walker is not a gambling man. 
<laughs> but, for sure. But we, for sure. Uh, but we would anticipate seeing a lot more of JHIE. The Dolphins are going to try to get the run game established against the Jets. And listen, this is a different Miami team because this is a really good defense, stout. They don't give up much. You know, Bart Scott always says this, and he said this this week on Inside the Jets, which is also repurposed on the official Jets podcast. So make sure to look out for that again every Monday, 7 to 8 at Vanderbilt Sports and Spirits at the Wyndham. There you go. You can watch it on Facebook, too. And, and NewYorkJets.com. Did I get that right? Yeah, you got it. That's because I'm an avid follower of Inside the Jets. But nonetheless, Bart Scott said this, and it stuck with me, is that Jay is a volume runner. And what I think he means is that as the game goes on and as he gets more touches, he just gets better and he blossoms. Uh, in week three, only 11 carries against the Jets defense. We mentioned that, but that's because Demario Davis and company did a phenomenal job at stopping the run. So if you think that J.H.I. is going to get 11 carries and you, you ask James Walker, I think that you're crazy because unless, last unless week— Unless the Jets can get out to a 14 nothing lead like they did against exactly. the Patriots, which would be great to see. But even so, James Walker said that the Dolphins stuck with the run yeah. last week against— Atlanta, which is how they got back in the game. So knowing that, knowing that JHI didn't really have a lot of carries in the second half in the first matchup between these two teams, what does this Jets defense need to do in order to bottle up Ajay once again? Because you know if there's anyone that's going to be coming in hotter than anyone else, it's probably Ajay. Uh, I thought Demario Davis was outstanding in that first game. And if memory serves me correctly... He had like three tackles for loss. Mm -hmm. And the Jets kept on winning on early downs. And Miami, I think, finished around 1 of 12 on third down conversions. But I look at this Miami stat chart. Ajayi has 102 carries. And then you look at the receivers. Jarvis Landry, 38 Receptions. Then it goes Devontae Parker is 19 and Kenny Stills 14. This offense still is predicated on Ajayi and Jarvis Landry. You bottle those two up, you're going to be in good shape. Jets have some options in the secondary how they want to defend Jarvis Landry. But Demario Davis, for my money, he was outstanding that first game. If they can get another big game mm -hmm. out of him, that's going to go a long way. The Jets also set the tone very early yep. in week three. On the first play, Ajayi takes a handoff off the left tackle, and who comes up and flips him up and upends him, basically, is Jamal Adams. Yeah, he come out coming out party in the NFL, he right? He did. He did. He had a sack and a pass defense in consecutive plays where Jamal was in coverage, and Jay Cutler tried to find Devontae Parker up the sideline, and Jamal Adams came flying across for a diving deflection. Also, just on Devontae Parker real quick, he missed last week's game, so we have to keep an eye on his status for this week if he'll play with an ankle injury because he's probably their biggest receiver in the sense that Jarvis Landry and Kenny Stills, Kenny Stills is a speedster, Jarvis Landry is an underneath guy. That's what Casey Rogers said is you have Kenny Stills that goes deep, mm -hmm. you have Devontae Parker who's their big, tall threat, and then you have Jarvis Landry who kind of runs around. And something that you mentioned Four weeks ago is that you really have to 
tackle these guys when you get the chance, especially the juice, Jarvis Landry. That's right. All right, let's switch to the other side of the ball and bring in our quarterback, Chad Pennington. Chad, uh, Jets 3-3 three and three now after six games. Do you like where this team is headed as they move forward? Got another divisional game this weekend in Miami. Eric, I'll be honest with you. I like, as a fan, I like the product that I'm seeing, meaning that I'm seeing a competitive team. I'm seeing a versatile team. I'm seeing a team offensively that spreads the ball around more than anybody in the league other than maybe the Patriots. Um, everyone's in the in the action involved in, in the success. And you just see a team that, that plays hard and they play with passion, and I think that's important. And as a fan, even though you may not like the results sometimes, you at least like the direction your team is heading. You know it uh, because you played so long. We're successful in the National Football League. Uh, Jets, Patriots, big game. Um, and Todd Bowles has been steady throughout, Chad, saying, hey, listen, we played the Pats, and it's a big game because it's the next game. But now for the Jets, the next game is the Miami Dolphins. Do you think a Bowles' steadiness, his approach, is going to be key this week as the Jets hope to turn the page quickly because they have to because they want to get back to over 500 again with the 4-3 and three mark. They can even their record inside the division. And on Mondays, when this team comes back, they look at the film and say, okay, we did this right, we did this wrong, we got to improve on this. How much do you think Bowles comes into play this week as the Jets look ahead? Well, he, he certainly, uh, his demeanor and mindset, he reminds me of how uh, Benny Testaverde handled situations when I would watch him. Um, they're very even-keeled, um, never too high, never too low, and that always provided success for our teams, and I think that's what's provided stability for this Jets team and, and seeing all the changes that have happened in the offseason and the negativity around the team from the outside. Uh, Todd Bowles' demeanor and his uh, mindset has, has provided that stabilization, that stability. And so that's important. Now, that doesn't ensure you wins, but it at least keeps your team even keeled to where you now have a chance to win uh, because this is easily a game that you can go to Miami thinking, well, we've already beat them, basically beat them up. And the first time we played them, 20-6. to six. Uh, coming off this emotional loss, we're still thinking about what could have been against the Patriots. Now we as a team are going to go down there and just lay an egg. And so uh, I think with Todd Bowles and his demeanor and how he looks at things, he will have the Jets ready to play. Uh, he will have his team ready to play. And quite frankly, uh, this is a big game for both teams. Uh, this is a game where Miami uh, has experienced a little success, big win over Atlanta, and now they can right the ship with the horrible losses that they've had and the horrible loss that they had against the Jets with how they played, and now get a leg up and really start to press uh, New England uh, as far as this AFC East. You can see that this AFC East is really turning out to be uh, quite the competition through the first half of the season, which is going to make it interesting for a second half. You talked about Miami beating Atlanta. They were down 17 points. They were a playoff team last year. How, in your opinion, how do you think the Jets should go about attacking this Dolphins team that, quite frankly, is probably looking for a bit of payback because the Jets dominated them in week three? 
Yeah, I don't think uh, there needs to be special schemes or anything like that. I don't think the Dolphins do anything out of the ordinary or have any out of the ordinary player that you feel like, wow, um, really, really scared of. I think what you have to do is you have to let Jay Cutler be Jay Cutler in that you know he's going to give you a couple opportunities uh, to steal the ball away, and you've got to steal it away. And this has got to be a game of turnovers and field position. Um, and it's also got to be a game of physicality and intensity because that's basically what happened in the first game. And, and the Jets just outplayed them, were more intense, more physical, and, and basically shut them down in all phases. And that's what it's going to boil down to. It's not going to boil down to uh, specific plays or players. It's going to boil down to intensity and physicality and that turnover battle. I really believe that. That turnover battle is going to be huge in this game. What do you think about this defense right now? I thought Buster Screen had his finest performance as a Jet, and I'm not just talking about the two takeaways. He easily could have had three, but I thought he was really physical. He had three PDs and all. I think Morris Claiborne has given this team a huge boost on the outside at cornerback. Brady completed only 52% of his passes, albeit in the win. So that's my first part of the question. The second part is, how does the defense manufacture pressure? I know it's not just about sacks, but uh, people externally are looking at the defensive line saying, there, are no, there have been no sacks by any defensive lineman so far, and Leonard Williams and uh, Mo Wilkerson both dealing with some injuries right now. Surprisingly, I think the Jets' pass defense has outplayed its run defense. And we haven't said that in a lot of years. Uh, and so uh, what was surprising to me was if you look at the game Sunday, New England established the line of scrimmage with its run game. Mm-hmm. And that was their plan. And so I would be concerned as a defensive staff that what we thought was our strength is not our strength right now. Our strength is not our run defense as uh, – as the Jets' defense when they look at it. Um, because you look at over 100 yards by, by three different running backs, it wasn't a, a huge performance by one guy. I think they had 119 yards combined, and they were very, very effective in their running. Uh, James White averaged over seven yards a carry. The other two running backs in, in Gillis Lee, uh, they, they over, uh, average over four yards. And then Deion Lewis. So and right now, to your point, Deion Lewis. To your yeah, point, exactly. Chad. That was concerning to me. To your point, Chad, the Jets are ranked 28th against the Rush right now. Yeah. And that was one thing we went into the season, and the Jets have always gone into each season feeling really good about that. And so that has to be addressed. Uh, and Miami's going to take a look at that, and, and they're going to get a steady diet of it. The Jets defense will get a steady diet of it. J.H.I. And, and that running game. And then, you know, because if you don't stop that running game, that play-action pass and those short passes, it becomes much more difficult to stop because you're so focused in on the run. So that's got to be it's got to be addressed. Chad, how do the Jets go about fixing their struggles on third and short? Last week they were very successful on third down as a whole, 53%, but were only three of nine on third and fourth down from four yards or less. That's about establishing control of the line of scrimmage. And so that starts up front with your five interior linemen, uh, being able to eliminate penetration, uh, and then also be efficient in the passing game, be able to make those plays in the passing game because sometimes there's going to be passes called in that down and distance because you know you're getting man coverage. 
so you have to win on the outside, and you have to uh, be able to, to throw and catch. But most importantly, it's got to start with the five interior, being able to decrease the penetration and make sure that at least when the running back has to make a cut, he doesn't have a free defender in his face, and he can choose the hole to try to get those extra yards. You mentioned the AFC East before. What do you make of it thus far? Patriots atop the division, which we've seen for most of the last two decades. They're four and two. But then you look at the rest of these clubs. Miami now suddenly is three and two, feeling a little bit better about themselves. Defensively, they've been really stingy so far this year. Haven't given up more than 20 points in a ball game. They're, I believe they're just allowing 17 points a game. Conversely, that offense that features J.J.I.E., who you mentioned, Chad, and Jarvis Landry, Landry continues uh, to try to find its way because they're only averaging 12 points a game. You look at Buffalo, they're coming off a bye. They're 3-2 right now. Defensively, they played really well. They got a couple guys that offense runs through in LaShawn McCoy and uh, Tyrod Taylor, and they're hoping to get Charles Clay back in the lineup. And then uh, New England, while they are atop that division, you see some holes defensively, and without Julian Edelman, Brady is still fantastic, but the Jets limited him to 52% completion rate last week, and you got to go back a ways to see Brady have games like that. So what's your take on the division right now? Well, my take is the Patriots are in control, and they have the advantage because of the experience, and, and they know uh, how to win. And what you saw Sunday and what you will see throughout the year in this division, you'll see one thing, and, and here's the deal. Either the other three teams, Jets, Dolphins, and Bills, will find ways not to lose to the Patriots and find ways to beat them, or the Patriots will just allow these teams to lose to them. Because right now, based upon the Patriots' performance as well as their injury situation, you can see their game plan has changed. Their game plan has changed to use the running game, control the clock a little bit, try to eliminate three and outs offensively because they don't want to put their defense in bad situations. And so they'll, they'll, they're okay with a 56% completion percentage or – uh, winning ugly games because that's, they know that's how they need to win and have to win right now based upon their injury situation. So they they are the team that's finding ways to win. These other teams must eliminate finding ways to lose. Uh, this week, what do you expect? A slugfest in Miami? I mean, you look at these two teams, that first meeting, the Jets wire to wire, as you mentioned before, and Green's mentioned, to say, listen, this Miami team probably comes into this game with a lot of confidence, overcoming a 17-point road deficit against a team who just appeared in the Super Bowl last year. It's got to give them a little bit of juice, and I'm sure they're looking to make amends uh, for that beatdown they suffered here at MetLife Stadium. But when you look at this game, these teams know each other so well. You think this is going to be a, a low-scoring slugfest? All things considered, it should be a back-and-forth 17-14-2017 game, all things considered. I think the key to this game is quarterback play. Um, I think it's between um, McCown and Cutler and whoever eliminates his mistakes and, and avoids those disasters, that's the team that will win this game. Uh, Cutler's going to push the ball down the field. Jets 
secondary will have a chance to make some plays on the ball down the field. And I love what the Jets' offense is doing as far as spreading the ball around. Everyone's involved. Uh, you really can't just hone in on one uh, particular player. And so it's about decision-making from account and making sure that he eliminates those disaster plays. It, 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 that's what it comes down to in this game, I believe, because all things considered, it's pretty even across the board. Good to have you back in our huddle, Chad, and uh, we'll talk to you next week. Okay, thank you, guys. All right, Greens. What Chad said early here is something that should not get lost. This team is playing a fun brand of football right now. And if you're a fan, you got to be excited because this team has talked about chemistry and accountability and all that, but you're seeing it all take shape on Sundays. This offense, John Morton, the way he's using different pieces. Pennington is so impressed from a quarterback's perspective how, who are you going to defend? They're going, they're getting the ball to everybody. And conversely, for me, on the defensive side of the ball, I'm so impressed with that secondary. Uh, the young safeties, yes, they're experiencing some bumps along the way, but teams are not thrown over their heads. I'm not going to get into the referees too much. I said I wouldn't. Chad, I, did, I, Ch Chad did it for you. Yeah, and I thought Adams had very good coverage on the one play, and he was flagged and whatever. But screen, if he can... Duplicate that performance. Morris Claiborne can keep on playing the way he's been playing. You get the contributions from guys like Daryl Roberts along the way. This secondary is really coming into its own, too. So you should be encouraged. This is a monster game for the Jets, though. Can they put the pass behind them, which they've been able to do so far, and take this Miami challenge head-on and secure a fourth victory? Because if they do, I think people around the league aren't going to be sleeping on this team anymore. There, there are a couple things I want to hit on here is that one thing that I really like about this passing approach is not who's on the field, but who's off the field. And when I say that, I mean, I really like that our Darius Stewart and Chad Hansen are able to get their feet under them. Again, both rookies, third and fourth round selections in the 2017 draft. And they can learn from pros like Jermaine Curse, Jeremy Curley, and Coach Bowles said that they will slowly be incorporated more and more. We saw that last week. Our area Stewart had a jet sweep, and Chad Hansen was on for a significant or yeah, a handful a number of plays. Reps. Yeah. yeah, I wonder if we look back, that was, that was probably Hansen's most reps yeah, in the National I, I, Football I would League. say so based on the eye test. Right. So I, I like that, and I like that he's taking a slow approach and getting these guys accustomed with the offense, and then hopefully later in the season they'll get – more reps where they can be more effective. McCown's a completion percentage. Not only to Curley, because we've been talking about that, of course, he can't sleep on that, or curse. Now you have Austin Safarian Jenkins who's played four games. He's got 23 receptions. That's a career high. The next step, the evolution for ASJ is they're going to hit one or two down the field because he can get down the field. Yep. Uh, yeah, and he, I'd say that he's shown his speed on one play against Cleveland when ASJ needed to get out of bounds before the 57-yard field goal from Catanzaro, and he booked it. Yeah. And we haven't seen the speedster version of ASJ, not saying he's blowing by anyone, but I, I agree with you in that he can definitely stretch the field. And let's see if the Jets can get more balance offensively this week. John Morton says, whatever it takes to win. Last week, the Jets passed the ball a lot, 54 dropbacks from Josh McCown, who was very effective passing the ball, but I, I would imagine mm – -hmm. 
they want to get some more things going on the ground. We'll see the health of running back Bilal Powell. But it's good to get Matt Forte back in the lineup, and uh, Eli McGuire continues to contribute. And you, you kind of stole my thunder there, but Matt Forte had eight receptions last yep. game. I ask you this question, and I'm going to – the question as of late has been, what's the matchup you're looking forward to? I'm not going to ask that. I'm it's not of late. That's your go-to. It's my go-to. <laughs> I'm going to switch it up a little bit because this is a rematch, okay? Yeah. Is what do the Jets need to do in this matchup in particular to ensure a victory? I know you say it's a big game, and before you answer that, I'm just going to throw this out there so you don't steal my thunder, is that I'm really looking forward to the ground game, and you mentioned it. I'm very much looking forward to see what happens with Matt Forte, Eli McGuire, who flashed against Jacksonville with a 69-yard touchdown and since has been kind of quiet. Powell hopefully coming back this week. We'll have to monitor his health status. But I'm really excited to see what these three guys can do because it's been a while since all three of them have been in the mix. And when you're on the road, in order to neutralize a crowd, to me, you want to eat up the clock and you want to use these three guys. I'm going to steal Pennington's thunder. I think the quarterback who's more effective on Sunday wins the game. That's McCown versus Jay Cutler. To date, McCown has been a far more effective player here in the early going. With that being said, the Jets had two early takeaways against the Patriots. Unfortunately, they finished with minus one. Stay at least even in the turnover department you're going to be fine, and don't blink in the fourth quarter because the stat about the Dolphins that jumps out more than anyone is that James Walker told us again today about it. 11 straight games decided by seven points or fewer. They've won every one of those games. That's, that's very impressive. <laughs> so don't blink late. Stay even in the turnover department and have your quarterback continue to do what he's doing, and the Jets will be 4-3. and three. And right there is the game preview on the official Jets podcast. Again, Jets-Dolphins this Sunday, 1 p.m. Make sure to tune in to Fox this weekend. Usually two AFC teams are on CBS. No, they're on Fox this weekend. You can watch our game preview on Facebook at about 11.45. There you go. And if you want more details where you can watch, listen, and follow your New York Jets. Make sure to check out NewYorkJets.com. For Eric Allen, I'm Ethan Greenberg.